Everybody, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today I get to have an opinion that and I hate looking at this thing, I really do, but according to Rotten Tomatoes, I am going to disagree, maybe, with most reviewers that are out there, and maybe agree with people in the audience, which actually would probably make sense because Today we're going to talk about The Dirt on Netflix because I realized I hadn't talked about it on the show. I've talked about it everywhere else, but I haven't talked about it here. So we're going to talk about it today. If you don't know what I'm talking about, The Dirt is a movie that stars the idea of Motley Crue produced and presented on Netflix. And yes, I'm going to say it that way. It is not a biopic. It is not a movie to tell you every little detail that you need to know about the band. It's not. Though there are some things in there. It is a movie about the insanity of rock and roll, the glory of hair metal, and the power of family and brotherhood. Yeah. I'm not going to pull any shots on this. For anybody who wants to go to this movie and get some like deep soul-searching inside into Nikki Six or Mick Mars or Vince Neil or Tommy Lee. Not the movie you want to see. It's just, it's not that movie. And anybody who thought it was going to be that movie, what, what were you thinking? Really? Really? So we're going to get all four members of Motley Crue to write a book about their life as Motley Crue. Then we're going to get them together to not only endorse but produce and participate in the production of a movie and a soundtrack recording for the first time in 10 years a new album together so you can say bad things about them i mean seriously anybody who didn't know going into this that this was going to be pro motley crew propaganda from the start to finish what were you thinking like seriously Seriously, what were you thinking? And I, I'm saying that because I'm reading, I read several reviews going into this because I was curious how my opinion lined up with other people. And I don't know, they expected soul searching from Motley Crue. And yeah, that's not, that's not really a thing that I expected, nor is it a thing that I wanted. So when I heard that Netflix was going to be putting out a movie based on The Dirt, the Motley Crue story, I had a short list of things that I knew it had to cover. We had to talk about Nikki Six and his mom. We had to talk about Nikki Six and the, you know, dying. We had to talk about Vince Neil and the car accident. We had to talk about Heather Locklear and maybe, maybe Pamela Anderson, but eh, she's more tangential to the story. Because a lot of that happened in the years after Dr. Feelgood, after Vince Neil left the band. So, eh, I didn't expect any of that. 
And yeah, that's what I got. I got a movie that was really fun to watch. Really fun. I mean, as long as you're not easily offended by, you know, hair metal antics, because there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of naked people. There's a lot of, a lot of naked people. There's a lot of, uh, butt and breast and surprisingly not other body parts scattered throughout this movie. There's a lot of drug use and alcohol consumption a lot of weird antics in hotel rooms and a lot of just sheer craziness because it's the story of Motley Crue, a band that was sheer craziness. They trashed hotel rooms almost everywhere they went. I mean, they were kind of the ultimate cliched rock band of the eighties. They had the groupies. They had the, crazy parties. They had the destruction of everything that they could destroy in their wake. They had the alcohol. They had the drugs. They had really good music. If you're into hair metal, which I am, and I'll fight you over it because dude, I grew up in the eighties and it's fond memories for me, but yeah, that's what it was. So if any of that sounds fun to you, you should definitely see this movie. You should definitely see it because I have not just like purely enjoyed a movie in a very long time. And it goes through a lot of things. And I don't know where to call spoilers because they were a band that lived their lives in public. So most of what could be considered a spoiler was actually a news story for that people might remember, but because it happened so long ago and many of the people listening to my voice might not even know who Motley Crue is, be warned, I will be giving some spoilers to the movie, if that's a thing that's possible. So, while Motley Crue was not one of, was not my favorite hair metal band, I kind of wobble back and forth between a couple, and often, to this day, It's still like a tie between Poison and Cinderella because, man, Poison wrote some songs that just get me. But that's a topic for a whole other show. Motley Crue was always there. I mean, they just... I can't even remember the first time I heard a Motley Crue song. I don't know. I, I just don't know. They just were always, always there. I just... I don't have an active memory of a time prior to Motley Crue existing. And they were crazy, and they they were wonderfully smart aleck. When religious groups got mad at them for their song and album titled Shout at the Devil, Nikki Six responded, It's shout at the devil, not shout with the devil. I mean, jeez. And yeah, that's the attitude that the band had towards everything. They wore leather. They wore makeup. They had crazy hair and amazing music. If you're into that sort of thing, which I definitely am. I don't know what it was about this movie that made me love it as much as I do. I think it's because it almost felt like an 80s movie about an 80s band, but many of the events 
kind of sort of really happened. And, you know, quite a few of them did. They did simplify some stuff that, you know, what you're going to expect in any movie that goes through the life of real people, especially that actually comes from the point of view of four people. Because one of the things that makes this movie so much fun is the fourth wall breaking. Because each member of the band, from time to time, will just break the fourth wall, start talking to the audience, and correcting whoever was narrating the story. No, 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 that's not how it really happened. Or, let me tell you my version of this, or dot, 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 you know. And, I don't know, I, in some ways, this movie was almost more Deadpool than Deadpool because of that. And, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so did my husband. And I wish he could be here to be on the podcast because hearing him go on about hair metal is kind of a funny thing, but it's just me today. The actors that they picked were really good. Um, there are reports that via computer aided sound design, several of them actually sang their own parts that that is the dude that plays Vince Neil singing in parts of the movie. Eh, I, I really don't care about that sort of thing. I really don't. Because th there were moments where I was like, that doesn't really sound like Vince Neil. And come to find out, yeah, that probably wasn't Vin ne v Vince Neil. That was probably Daniel Weber, who plays him in the movie, and does a fairly good job. I mean, he's very over-the-top 80s version of Vince Neil, but that's what I signed up for. And I almost, when talking about this movie, I, I'm divided between just utter praise because Machine Gun Kelly is in this movie and he plays Tommy Lee and he is so good. And I did not think of Machine Gun Kelly as an actor and I will not make that mistake again because he embodies at least the caricature of Tommy Lee that I've always had in my head, kind of the laughable fool, the lovable fool, the hopeless romantic, the one that will always live through their heart and their lower regions and just wants to have fun, man. Yeah. It, it, I, I just can't get over some of the critics' responses to this flick where I don't know what they thought they were going to get. I really, like, I, I don't understand how you would think that you're going to learn something special that's going to cast a new light on the soul of any of these people. This is legacy projects. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I had not actively thought about Motley Crue in a while. And that's not to say that I haven't listened to them. I've got a hair metal station that I turn on every now and then just because, one, it's nostalgic, and two, it's fun to have on in the background while you're doing stuff. And from time to time, you know, a Motley Crue song would play on there. But this movie brought that all back to me in the way that I wanted Rock of Ages to do. And while I'm not down on that movie like a lot of people are, I actually I, I kind of enjoyed it. Even, well, 
mainly because of some of its weird eccentricities and just the fact that Tom Cruise did it just that that alone was probably enough to sell me because that is a character I just can't imagine Tom Cruise ever playing and there he is doing it I, I blows me away but in so many ways this is the movie I think people wanted when Rock of Ages came out it is brash it is irreverent it is filled with heroin and cocaine and so so many jugs of alcohol that it you know i almost felt tipsy myself just watching how many shots they were taking just wow but beyond all that they were able to encase all of this into a story that is really the heart of what Motley Crue was. They liked to feel good. They liked to have sex. And they were always going to be brothers. Like, the, almost every Motley Crue song can be classified in one of those camps. The last one, kind of least of which, but they even had some songs to fit that, right? And as a encapsulation, as a rapper on everything that Motley Crue was, this is how I remembered them before the movie, as that madcap band of brothers that just did crazy things until everything finally exploded, and then things got weird. Though I wondered if they were going to mention things like 6AM, which is uh, the band Nikki Six formed after Motley Crue. But they didn't. And I'm okay with that, because this is a Motley Crue movie, not a Nikki Six movie. But he is kind of the main character in the story, which he should be, because Nikki Six was Motley Crue in a lot of ways. I mean, all of this just comes together and makes for such an entertaining ride that maybe I just have blinders on because of my nostalgia. Cause like I said, I was a kid when Motley Crue was doing their thing. I was really, really into, you know, rock and metal and stuff back then. I had my mullet. I had my t-shirts. So maybe it was just, maybe this is the first nostalgia movie for targeted at someone like me that actually hit the spot the way it was supposed to. I am willing to admit that that is possibly the case. I am willing to admit that that is probably the case. But I, I don't care. I enjoyed it. It was fun. And if you want to have a good time, you should definitely check it out. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the soundtrack, because I'm probably going to go back and blubber about the movie a bit more. But... If you are into that kind of music at all, definitely check out the soundtrack. Like I said, this is the first time in 10 years that Motley Crue have gotten together and recorded anything. And it is fun. The theme song, The Dirt Established 19... Um, I can't remember the number. <laughs> anyway, The Dirt, the theme song for the movie, is fun. It's exciting. It actually has Machine Gun Kelly on it, who kind of raps <laughs> I don't know he provides kind of a bridge at the end on the way out that just I don't know it works it all works too well 
but the one track that I have to just highlight off of the album because you can't miss it. Like if you don't listen to anything else for reasons beyond my understanding, because someone brought up to them that they should do a cover of Madonna's like a virgin. And they do. It's the last track on the album. If you listen to nothing else from this album, check out Motley Crue's cover of Madonna's Like a Virgin. Like, this is one of those moments where I wish I could just hit play and let you all hear it right now. Oh my goodness. I never knew I wanted to hear Vince Neil say any of those words. I really didn't, especially now. Like, I probably would have been weirded out back in the day if they'd done a cover of it. And even now, I'm kind of weirded out that they did a cover of it. But, oh, oh my, it is so much worth your time. If, If nothing else, this movie gave us Motley Crue's cover of Madonna's Like a Virgin which is a masterpiece of Motley Crue, Motley Crueness. It it is like not not even a cover as much as it is what it would have sounded like if Vince Neil had belted out like a virgin in the eighties to try to melt the panties off of a crowd of groupies, and it it. It works. It shouldn't. It really shouldn't. I mean, just the idea of Vince Neil saying the word virgin and not immediately bursting into flames is humorous in its own right. But, oh, oh my goodness. It's so good. From the guitar work from Mick Mars to the bass line that Nikki Six puts down to the drums... Tommy Lee is the real hero off the album because, man, his drumming is still just on point. And I didn't realize how much I missed his drumming until this movie came out because, of course, after watching The Dirt, the story of Motley Crue, you, you then go and start loading up all your favorite Motley Crue songs and listening from all the way back to you know, too fast for love all the way through and just, wow. The, the guitar work from Mick Mars, the drum work from Tommy Lee, the bass work from Nikki six, the just incongruous vocals from Vince Neil, who had this marvelous way of, finding the way to thread the needle between wasp style screech screeching and um crooning like journey style crooning i i don't know how that works i i would love to have a vocal coach explain the exact qualities that vince neal brought to his vocal performances because it 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 works you know everything that he did was just magic from the slow songs to, you know, the deep sincerity of songs like home sweet home, which were written during a time when he was probably maybe anything but sincere. 
even the movie kind of plays it off that way that he was just kind of showing up for a paycheck during that, but still his vocals, they just work and they hold that track together all the way through to just the powerhouses from Dr. Feelgood from be it kickstart my heart or same old situation or Dr. Feelgood itself. Just, yeah, they were a fun band. And while I'm not saying I wish all musicians were drug fueled sex maniacs and just maniacs, there's part of me that misses that larger than life stature that musicians especially rock musicians used to have. And I haven't seen that in a long time because that kind of went away when, you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Alice in Chains came about, you know, Soundgarden, they were a great band, but they were just people. And same with Nirvana, like they were a great band, but they were people. And in the eras before them, and I get it, that's what their whole shtick was, that they weren't the rock gods that came before. And it's not just the antics, it's not just the makeup and the leather and the crazy hair, it was the personas that these characters became that were larger than the music that they performed. They... I mean, to this day, when I think of Jimmy Page or Robert Plant or many other bands from the time, even Ozzy Osbourne, who, by the way, there's a there's a cameo by a character, by the character of Ozzy Osbourne that is ridiculous and stories that many people had heard. I know I had heard growing up of things that had happened with him on tour and it's grotesque and it's disgusting and it's sincere and moving and horrifying and funny all at the same time. And isn't that kind of what you want in this kind of a movie? I mean, it is, it, it is for me. Like, I don't know. There's like, I don't fetishize pain and that's going to be something that we're going to be talking about a lot after crucify comes out because i think there are going to be some people that think that i am fetishizing pain and suffering and i'm definitely not but there's something about a band or an artist who can have that certain mystique think of Prince or I just can't think of anybody in the modern times that has that. And it's not because we have Twitter and YouTube and all of those things. Cause I think those could be used to great advantage to create that kind of a mystique. We don't have the interest in creating that kind of a rock persona anymore. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I'm not going to really spend much time even thinking about that because good and bad really don't matter on that level. There's just a mystique, a certain magic 
that's missing in music when all of the people involved are just that. They're just people. And I'm not saying that we should be putting immense pressure on these artists to be more than they actually are or anything like that. But there's a certain majesty that came with the old rock bands when not not even I'm not even saying that you didn't know a lot about them but that they projected these characters these ideas they were archetypal they were larger than life and that fed into the music you see it's not that they were actually living girls 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 and wild wild side and all of those other songs which they were but they were able to embody that in their performance they were able to sell the mystique the mystery of going to the dark side and being in a place that might be dangerous and i think good rock music should be a little bit dangerous I don't think it should be safe and comfortable all the time. And even with bands that I like today, like Saturn or Greta Van Fleet or um, Ghost or Puppy. I mean, Ghost and Puppy have some songs where the lyrics are dark and twisted and said with a certain kind of tongue in cheek. And Ghost is one of the bands that maybe I should have mentioned when I was trying to find a band that tried to develop some kind of a mystique and character around themselves. But I don't know. I didn't feel it. Like it, it, it came across as performative and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Cause again, I'm not saying that I want everyone to have a heroin problem. That's not what I'm saying. I don't know. It, it made me remember what I loved about rock and roll. It got me feeling good. It made me happy. If you haven't seen the movie, definitely, as long as you have a Netflix account, check it out. It is worth a view. And I hate that I have to say stuff like this now, but it is not for people that are easily offended because the whole point and purpose of Motley Crue was to be offensive. And if you are susceptible to being offended, there will be things in this movie that will offend you, that will put you off, that will turn your stomach. There, there's a couple moments that are just kind of stomach turning. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a fun, wild ride, and whether it's accurate or not, I really like the end of the movie. I like the message that they were able to give a movie like this, and I don't know, I just, I love it. So, to all the critics who did not like this movie, I guess the only thing I can say is, man, if it's too loud, you're too old. Man, what's wrong? Let your hair down and have a little fun. Anywho, 
If you liked this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do so. That helps me out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people, and that is a huge help. If you got a dollar you can throw my way, down in the show notes you'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can join the project at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money helps out a lot. That helps me do pretty much everything that I do. If you don't have the money to join the project, or you just don't feel like doing it right now, please consider sharing the podcast with somebody you think might enjoy it. Because, yeah, that helps out a lot too. If you want to get in touch with me, you can contact me on Twitter. I'm C. Dorset on Twitter. Or you can go to anchor.fm and download the Anchor app. Once you're there, follow Project Shadow. And uh, you'll see a little button at the bottom that says Voice message you can send me up to a one minute message keep it clean it could be a question a comment or a topic you would like to hear discussed on the show i would like to make this more our podcast and that's a way that you can help make that possible if you want links to any of these things or any of the stuff that i do just head over to projectshadow.com i'm almost done with the audiobook i really am it's taking forever but i'm trying to do a good job and hopefully i am it's almost done Soon, soon that will be launching, and I'll be giving you details about that when it is. Until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.